Good listeners, welcome back to the pod. It's Jazz here with Martin. Uh, I'm sure I don't need an introduction to be given for Martin. He's been on the podcast before many a times. Uh, he's a financial anal- financial and business analyst. Uh, Martin, it's been very long time we had you on the show. Welcome back. Hi. Well, nice to be back. And uh, I think I said before we start got, started going, uh, the water under the bridge has passed quite a long, <laughs> a long way down. But actually, there's a lot of uh, similarities to how the markets are looking now relative to where they were a couple of years ago. It's quite interesting. You know, it's a, it's been a two year round trip to nowhere, really. It's interesting that you say that. So. First of all, it's starting. Uh, it's I'm glad that we had you on the show just as the year has only started to kick into gear. Um, so, uh, 2023, the markets were sort of both up and down a bit. Depends how you look at it and what mm. market you're looking at. Well, until October, um, until October, they were way down, right? So, so if you look at the, um, you know you know, nine twelfths of the year, markets were way down. Then all of a sudden it all changed and we've had this massive run up. So the S&P 500 is now an all-time high. It hit all-time highs the last five days until till Friday when it dropped just a little bit. Um, and, and of course, the, the ultimate question is, well, why is that? You know, because we, we've still got inflation rattling around the place. In fact, the central banks are now talking about rate cuts, but not immediately. So the markets were factoring in very significant rate cuts earlier on. Um, they've dialed back, back a bit now. So in the US, it's now probably sort of May to July rather than March. And of course, in Australia, there's uh, people expecting rate cuts, but not until probably 2025. So, so it is an interesting question as to why it is that markets are absolutely you know, going gangbusters, um, when in fact, some of the broader economic um, parameters that you look at would suggest that things are not quite as powerful as perhaps they should be if in fact these stock market prices are sustainable. So that's, that's the real quest- interesting question, I think. Yeah, so if, if uh, I mean, uh, a normal human behavior, or if you were to uh, study the psychology of the market, uh, it will say that the with the rates that have gone up over the last uh, year or so, that the market should really be trending down, not up. Plus, the liquidity in the market has dried up as well. But like what you said, it's the other way around. S&P 500 has been a new all-time high. Uh, Nasdaq is the same, along with some of the other markets, commodities and all. What is causing that to happen and what is your outlook for 2024, I guess, becomes a question. Uh, Are we already in an overheated market or uh, where Mm. do you see it? So I I think the the, the truth is that the markets have been propped up over the last few months by two things. The first is obviously we've had the very significant impetus from AI, and of course, the Magnificent Seven, now more properly called probably the Magnificent Six, because I think Tesla's going in the wrong direction, right? They dropped significantly. But if you look at NVIDIA or Microsoft or um, Apple or, or Facebook, you know, they've, they've really powered the market. And about 30% of the um, index, if you look at the S&P 500, is driven by this very small number of, of AI-related um, and technology-related stocks. So, so the first part of the question is, is it conceivable that that particular element within the market can continue to drive higher again? The second is, if you look at the multiples, um, those stocks are multiples at 30 times plus, which is wacky. I mean, that, that's really, really high. So is it conceivable 
that they can continue to do that. And I think in the first quarter results, we'll get a bit of a read. Um, some of the earlier results, you know, it's interesting. Intel's uh, results came out at the end of last week, and they were quite um, okay-ish, but not very bullish. And so their stocks were marked down dramatically. And um, the question will be, what will happen over the next quarter? Will we see some of the other tech stocks also showing the same issues? The second issue, of course, is that drove the markets higher was the issue of Federal Reserve rate cuts. And um, up until um, October, November time, the Fed was sort of saying, well, we, know we might have to put rates higher and we're not sure. Then he basically changed his tune in the last um, Fed meeting of the year. And the markets took that as a signal of immediate rate cuts. And they were at one point factoring in something like four to six rate cuts over the next 12 months. Um, that put a, a real um, you know, accelerator under stock prices more broadly. So the Russell went up as well as the broader index. Now, of course, since then, um, the markets have pulled back a bit on that. So their expectations of rate cuts have sort of kicked out a bit. The inflation data that's come out from the US and elsewhere shows a certain stubbornness around core inflation. Um, so it may be a bit longer before inflation comes back into band. And so then the other question is what's going to happen to that um, uh, that momentum in terms of uh, rate cuts. So I have a feeling that rate cuts will be later in the year. In the US, it'll probably be the second half of 2024. I think that the EU might go first. Um, I don't think Australia will do much until 2025. So the rate cut story is, is the other issue. Now, what that basically means is if we don't get rate cuts and if we see the market being supported by this very narrow base, which is probably unsustainable looking at price earnings ratios, that means the markets could well correct. On the other hand, um, the other point to make here is that the um, Federal Reserve might be doing quantitative easing, but the Treasury in the US is printing massive amounts of, of, of bonds. And uh, we're going to get the, up re uh, the updated read on their bond program over the next three months. But in fact, the total debt pool in the US is actually higher than it was a few months ago. So whilst it came down a little, now it's rising again. So the debt story is the other thing to look at. And, um, you know, is that debt sustainable? Well, it could be difficult. So there's more than a trillion dollars now being paid by the, um, the US just to keep their debt um, uh, machine going. So that's why there's a lot of sort of issues there. The other factor, just to bear in mind more broadly, is that consumers, particularly in the US, are still spending. Wages growth is still quite strong. Unemployment rates still quite low. So are the conditions really there for the Fed to start taking rates lower? And if the Fed doesn't take rates lower, are the markets overpriced? I think they do. So my expectation is that this year we're going to see um, those sort of contentions run through. I've called this a push-me-pull-you economy because these things are pulling in very different directions. And the bottom line is I think that we are going to probably see markets come off their highs sometime through the year. It's going to be up and down, very volatile. And I think it's more about not picking markets but picking specific stocks and um, you know, being a little bit cautious because I'm not sure that the markets in their current, uh, their current levels are raging by. So I've got a question. Um... There's always a catalyst that makes Fed or Jerome Powell to change their tone and to start cutting the rates, right? Last time it was COVID, before that, uh, whatever it was, 
before that it was GFC. There's always one or the other reason, right? Do you see any particular catalyst uh, that could uh, start this rate cut process? So, so the last few times they cut rates because the economy was in crisis, you know, whether it was COVID or, or, or whether it was previously the global financial crisis or whatever, right? Or the, or the, um, the stupidity we had with, um, you know, the, the funding rates um, a few years ago as well. I don't see any of that at the moment. As like I said, the issue is if you look at a lot of the data from the US in particular, unemployment's still quite low. Wages growth is still very strong. The GDP number that was reported recently was stronger than expected. And okay, you could argue maybe we get a huge impact because of very high oil prices, because of what's happening in the Middle East, possibly, but that's not really, you know, oil prices are up a bit, 6%, I think, over the last week, but not dramatically so. And so I don't see anything on the immediate horizon that says you got to cut rates. Now, the other argument would be, well, if inflation is coming down and they keep the real rates where they are, then the actual true rate after inflation is going up. So at some point, you would expect them to sort of begin to sort of move into a slightly different phase. But I don't think there's any urgency on the part of the Fed to cut rates, because whilst the economy might be easing back in some areas, as I say, some of the other indicators are pretty strong. So I am not convinced yet that we're going to see an immediate cut, in, even in the US. Based on your analysis of the financial markets, I think uh, you were bang on with the uh, the top six companies in the S&P 500 that is more AI-related uh, that are making the markets go up. But, I mean, that trajectory can only continue for so long. Uh, earnings are starting to come out, come out, like you said, with the Intel. NVIDIA is, I think, going to make a call next month, end of next month kind of thing. So all those earnings are going to start coming out. Uh, regardless, the market remains overpriced if you just look at those particular stocks. Uh, what do you think will be uh, exceptional buys or the exceptional, exceptionally performing sector for 2024 based on your analysis so far? Yeah, so it's interesting. I think there are, there are three things to look at. I still think there is still some potential further value in some of the tech stocks. I mean, Apple, for example, you know, they just launched the Vision Pro. Um, you know, the first units have now been shipped. Um, you know, that's the next big thing that they're actually investing in and have invested big over 10 years. Um, that means potentially you could see another kick up, kick up from there. Uh, I'd also make a point that some of the other businesses like Amazon, you know, cloud services and those related things are still quite strong as well as AI. So there are still, I think, some arguments as to why some tech stocks, not all tech stocks, but some tech stocks are doing quite well. And if you look at, um, you know, semiconductors, you know, uh, you know, the um, 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 TMS, you know, the, 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 the really big uh, Taiwan manufacturing um, tech came out and said, well, they still seeing quite a lot of momentum. So that's the, f but I think I'd, I'd look elsewhere. I think healthcare stocks, things like that are worth looking at because they've not really traversed that well over over, over recent times and uh, might be now time to sort of see whether there's going to be some, some, some growth there. And there are a couple of other sectors where they've really been going sideways for some time and are relatively from a, from a, not necessarily from a, you know, 
um, a value growth, but maybe from a stability perspective, are still going to maybe be able to maintain it. And it's a question to me of who has continued pricing power. So even if people have less disposable income and their savings ratios are being squashed a bit, they're still spending and they're going to be spending on something. So, so the question is, what sectors are those that people are going to have to spend? And of course, some of those will be some of the retail, the basic retail, maybe healthcare, and uh, maybe some others there. So, so maybe it's time to look um, in different places. The final point to make is the Russell has done quite well, which suggests that even some of the small um, stocks, small cap stocks, which were doing really badly up until quite recently, are beginning to look quite interesting. So I'm looking in different locales. I'm also looking at China because what's interesting is the value of the Chinese stock market has dropped dramatically over recent times. They've continued to announce further stimulus measures. For example, they dropped the um, uh, reserve ratio again recently and uh, Okay, Evergrande might be um, in even more difficulty because of what's happening with some of the, um, the you know, the, the, the recent work that uh, some of the international investors are um, taking them to court again to try and wind up the company. But nevertheless, the ratios in China are now so weird that even China could be a buy if you look carefully. So it, it, <laughs> what I'm saying is don't just follow the herd. Now look, look in a few other areas. I think I read, I don't know whether it was a rumor or... Uh incorrect piece of news, but I read somewhere that China has banned short selling for the time being. Now, I don't know how real that news is, but I did read it somewhere. That's, that's yeah, well, sure. they've, they've made a few interventions in the market to try and, um, uh, you know, prop up the market. And uh, But the, the one I think is most significant is that they keep reducing the bank's reserve ratios. In other words, gives them more capacity to lend more. Um, that could well bite in, in in the future, but they're of course still you know demanding a lot of steel and still building a lot of stuff, and um, you know it's still a big economy, and so th it's fascinating for me to have seen a lot of investors exiting China over the last um, year or so. What I'm saying to you now is that the, the price point has now got to the to the point where actually, if you look at it on a capital returns basis. You know, some some Chinese opportunities could actually be quite interesting if you're happy to take the risk. I mean, it's, it's a high risk strategy, but my point is there could be potential there where, in fact, potential in the US. You know, we we are priced to perfection in the US. You now the PE thirty times plus in some areas. That's very very high, way way higher than I think it deserves. So maybe maybe now's the time to look. You know, in in some unusual places another interesting observation that whether you saw but um a couple of the um very discretionary um stocks in europe um you know actually came out with very strong results as well so that you know the, these are the the the, the affluent brands you know there is still a proportion of people in the world who can still afford to spend and are spending big and so you know whether you look at champagne or whether you look at um you know luxury goods some of those are doing very well too and uh, some of the cruise liners are doing quite well as well. So uh, it's a fascinating little story. Final point is that if you look at some of the airlines, the airlines have not done that well either in recent times. Um, again, maybe maybe there's some stories there. So like I say, I think you've got to go granular and look at individual stocks rather than just um, you know play sectors. But I'm not convinced that the, the standard play 
is worth it. Final point, bonds. Bond yields are still up quite a lot, right? So, you know, the US two-year is um, is currently sitting at 4.35 and the 10-year is at uh, 4.1. Now, those returns are not bad. And if you believe that, um, you know, prices are going to move um, opposite to yields, of course, and yields are going to come down because rates are going to get cut, well, some of those bonds look quite good too. So I still think there's a bond play as well. And I've continued to believe that um, holding a mix of um, you know stocks, but also some bonds too, does make more sense rather than uh, you know ignoring the bond market. Of course, if you bought at the wrong time, you're in underwater. But if you bought right, there's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, any signs of recession that you see coming over? over this year, uh, inverted yield curve or whatever it is. Uh, well, we've still that, got the, the inverted real yield curve, but you know that's stuck, that seems to be stuck there at the moment. Um, maybe maybe it'll change. I think the US has probably dodged the recession bullet. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you could say that's um, by design if you're um, Jay Powell, or you could say it's a happy accident if you um, are putting it more down to the massive stimulus prior and the savings ratios that people had, et cetera. Wages growth is strong in the US. I think recession risk in Europe is much stronger. The latest consumer confidence number out of Germany was not very strong. And um, the ECB, of course, came out and said, well, we're going to keep rates uh, on hold for a bit. We might change later. Um, But what's fascinating about that is that the um, European end of things isn't looking pretty weak. And in the UK, where I'm at the moment, um, the economy is also quite weak there as well. So, you know, I think it's going to be a different story. In Australia, I still think there's a risk of recession. I think with such a narrowly based, and of course, it's all about houses and holes. Um, if demand for um, iron ore in particular and uh, maybe LNG um, went down a little, not least because, of course, other LNG producers now come online, like the US is a bigger producer of LNG than Australia. Um, some of that could actually impact the local Australian market. And uh, I have a feeling that the Australian story of inflation is going to be higher for longer because um, um, a lot of it's now homegrown, um, poor policy from the Reserve Bank, which means that there's a risk of recession. So I think recession in some areas, I think US recession probably off the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we are on the Australian markets, uh with the interest rates that have gone up and all the fixed rates that are expiring uh, sort of early this year, middle of this year, how do you see the property market, Martin? Well, um, property prices, of course, um, went up very strongly through the COVID stimulus and uh, the very low interest rates. We had a 30 to 35% hike in rates, then, uh, sorry, uh, in prices. Then rates started to move up. Those prices then had a little bit of a breaking effect on the property market for a period, but then it started to take off again um, through the, um, the the middle to the end of last year in some areas, not universally. So houses more than units, and uh, you know not universally across all um, geographies. So, for example, in Tasmania, prices are still falling. Um, I think that what we're going to see over the next few months is probably pr- prices going sideways. Um, other than maybe Perth, where there's still some momentum, and Queensland, where there's still some momentum, I think that Tasmanian prices will continue to ease back. I think that we're going to see continued falls in Melbourne, and I think prices in Sydney will probably go sideways. But it does depend on interest rates. We've still got more people on fixed rates switching across, 
And it goes back to this expectation of rate cuts. Well, Alan Kohler came out, uh, I think, over overnight and said, look, chances are of a rate cut in 2024 pretty low. It's probably going to be 2025 in Australia, which could have a downdraft on, on property prices. But it's interesting to see that lending is also a, a little bit stronger, particularly for investment purposes. And there are some property investors who are seeing opportunity as well. And that's putting a bit of a, an underpinning of what's going on. The government won't want to do anything to upset property prices ahead of the next election, of course. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see some further measures to encourage first-time buyers to continue into the market, as well as possibly APRA dropping the um, ratio that they use in terms of uh, the lending ratios. Because at the moment, of housing affordability is pretty shot and ability to borrow is is, is significantly worse than it was so APRA might do something there but net net I think sideways is probably a reasonable bet over the next 12 months mm-hmm. yeah they've got heaps of buffers sitting in the assessment race they really want to prop up the market there's they do there's ways of, yeah yeah um that's great mate uh I think those you've covered it up pretty well but just to summarize, if there's anything that you want to add towards the end before we wrap this up. Well, I think we might just um, want to talk about Bitcoin just briefly because, of course, that was a big significant uh, event where we had uh, all of the rumors of um, the SEC approving um, spot ETFs and Bitcoin moved up dramatically up to 44, 45. Then they announced it and uh, Bitcoin then promptly dropped. So, you know, buy the rumour, sell the fact, uh, sitting at just over 40 at the moment. One of the interesting observations there is that we're seeing Grayscale, which was one of the uh, early ETFs, um, a lot of uh, funds coming out of Grayscale and going into some of the other ones because their fees were so high. So it's too soon, I think, yet to understand whether, in fact, the Bitcoin story is as bullish as uh, a lot of the Bitcoin bulls were actually um, talking about. But, of course, we have the halving ahead um, and um, there is potentially sometimes an up movement after a halving. And the ETF story with Bitcoin is probably going to provide some support for the price. But I'd make the point that no longer is Bitcoin seen as outside the traditional financial system. No longer is it uh, something that is actually, you know, just um, uh, not controlled. It's now very much controlled. Um, It's been pulled back into the normal financial markets. So in a way, the fundamental philosophy of Bitcoin with vis-a-vis the markets is probably broken as well. So it'll be interesting how that plays out. So I think for this year, my call is that Bitcoin will go higher. But as to how much, not sure. I don't think uh, the kind of returns that people used to see in the crypto market a few years ago, even maybe only two years ago, uh, will be seen again. I'm not Mm. saying that there won't be returns. The returns will probably be there. But as the market matures, and especially with these big players coming in, the market size at, where is it sitting at? I don't know. I haven't looked at it, but maybe 1.5, 1.7 trillion kind of thing. Um, there's only, th- there's much larger amount of money required to move this market now compared to what was only five years ago when it was sitting at three or 400 billion. To move a market of that size is easier than when it starts to go into trillions, right? So uh, it will be interesting to see uh, uh, how how this market plays out. But you're right. It's not 100%. It's not outside of the traditional financial system anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the ETF now, the futures and the uh, spot ETF uh, 
um, they all have arrived and uh, all the big players now are in the game uh, blackrock fidelity uh, vanguard all of them so uh, yeah and and in 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 sorry thinking out loud over here but to be honest i don't think it's ever actually been outside of the traditional financial system anyways it's always gone uh pretty much with what rest of the market has done in the past uh it may have been a little early mover or a late mover but every time like covid period the market crashed crypto market crashed uh market started rising with the interest rates dropping crypto market started rising as well so it's never been really that uh separate separated from the traditional legacy system it, there's always a talk about it sort of diverting away and moving on its own path but it never really has done that and i think now it's going to now that now there's even a less probability of that happening uh, with, yeah. with the spot idea yeah i mean those big players will will obviously be out to make money on their own right as well as um you know providing a, perhaps a broader base. But I agree with you. I think the um, momentum is probably quite different now. And uh, a lot of those uh, early investors in Bitcoin will probably be still saying, well, it's gone up dramatically from where we, where we invested. But later investors, particularly if you invested in, at the wrong point, are still underwater. And um, the, the, the critical point is it's now very much being controlled through those SEC you know, the SEC basically is using um, a particular mechanism to try and actually, um, you know, track what the uh, spot price should be. And uh, that is putting a bit of a, you know, a, 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 a different sort of philosophy on, on, on the price. And um, I don't think that there's much to be said other than it's behaving more and more like a traditional market 100%. and a traditional set of stocks, and uh, they're going to follow the, the major markets much more. So uh, the concept of outperforming dramatically, you know, <laughs> I'd also say, by the way, gold, probably the same, um, is probably um, you know, not, not necessarily there. So I think um, those heady days are probably past. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, that's a whole different uh, philosophy based on what you think about um, ordinary markets and um, the crypto markets. But uh, it's sort of been pulled back in and it's now very much to be thought of in the same mode as the, uh, the other markets. And you know what? Uh, one thing that uh, as an investor or as a trader that you, that you should always be mindful of or uh, history, if you want to uh, look at history as a bit of a guidance, all the gold uh, perma bulls who were talking about gold is going to keep rising, um, and then they kept, then then there there came a time I think it was in 2010 or around that period where uh, for 10 years it went straight down. Uh, so uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen to the crypto market, but you always got to be careful with uh, when you, when you think the market's always going to keep going up, it it reminds you it. it comes and slaps you in the face and then people sit there for years and years and years. <laughs> well, it's interesting if you think about gold, right? So, you know, the last peak in gold was back in 2012, right? And then basically, it, you know, it, it dropped in, and that was 1808 or thereabouts. It dropped down to a low of um, uh, 1072 in, in about 2015. And then it's been knocking around the uh, the, the, the 2000s since um, 2020, right? And if you've apply an inflation-adjusted lens on that, right? <laughs> gold, in, gold in real terms, who, which, of course, remember, gold does not pay any, you know, coupon. Dividend. 
dividend. Yeah. You know, you basically are banking on the on the um, on the asset price, and so if you correct it for inflation, you are still significantly underwater. You know, hundred percent. So so yeah, it, and I think it's worth just bearing that particular lens in mind when you actually make your investment decisions. Final point, of course, is there's no certainties in this life, and so spread your risks. <laughs> Uh, to the listeners, none of this is financial advice. Uh, it's just a normal, friendly chat. Mm. So uh, do your own research. But thanks for jumping on the show, Martin. I appreciate your time. And uh, we'll surely have you back over the period of this year to, to see how some of these predictions and analyses are tracking. But you've always been uh, pretty uh, on, the, on, the, on the ball when it comes to predicting the market so thanks you. well thanks i don't really make predictions i just give you some of my opinions as to where things might go or might not go you know there are going to be some uh, some black swan events and what have you through the year but uh be interesting to come back later and uh, see how things are shaking out you can call them your opinions but to us they are predictions <laughs> you're, you're, you're the analyst <laughs> uh macro analyst uh i appreciate your time mate um to the listeners um have a great week and we will catch soon again Thank you.